welcome back to Gear and Beer. Cheers, sir. Today we have the godsend of Garland, Texas, Mr. Billy Joe Freeman joining us. Billy, welcome. Thank you for having me. You are welcome, and I thank you for having me. Thank you for the burgers. Oh, burgers. Yes. yes. Double doubles. Uh, I figured if the the chief executive from Double Cheeseburger Studios is coming to my house and do my podcast, I'm going to prepare a double cheeseburger. It's yes. only it was in the it was in the cards. It's uh, in the in the nest and job well done. The yeah. <laughs> no, they weren't well done. Don't say that. People people will, I get hate mail. Um. Damn it. I said I wasn't going to do that, and I just did it. <laughs> so, I expected you to be uh, Motorcycle Billy Freeman tonight, but uh, it wasn't in the cards. Motorcycle Billy Freeman has been referenced in one of these podcasts, and I can't remember why. <laughs> but I I referred to you as Motorcycle Billy Freeman, which yeah. I think is funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm on it a lot these days, it seems. Well, you just got a new one, did you not? Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. You know, it's around. like a road bike now, right? Yeah, it's like a touring. Okay. Bagger, yeah. Bagger, that made me think of something that I... Will Smith, Bagger Vance. <laughs> no, I can't. I was thinking. I was thinking. You said Bagger. My brain heard Bugger, and I was like, British, British movies. I'm doing great. I woke cool. up. I, w- I played a lot of gigs yesterday, and then I didn't sleep for very long, and then I woke up and I played golf today, and uh, then I had a double cheeseburger, and so now the brain's kind of <laughs> just like, yeah. If this is the hamster wheel, <laughs> we're 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 on rotisserie. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are just kind of getting back to things a little bit right or hopefully yeah yeah we've kind of started playing a few shows here and there and uh trying to get back to normal and it seems the people are ready to come back and see some shows are you are you still rocking the offset double the straight on double kick with the kind of offset rack look no i'm uh I can't just doing a single kick. Oh, okay. uh, did but, you change the the kit? The kit's staying the same. It's still uh, a, a Keystone, or no, no. This is a Ludwig uh, Classic Maple. Oh, okay. Um, that, that's what I meant because I yeah. that, the the red and black one that was the Keystone. That was the Keystone. Right? Okay, this one's Classic Maple. Um, 10, 13, 16, 18, 24. Um. But yeah, Ludwig sent me a, a new uh, prototype uh, double kick pedal. Oh, cool! So I'm trying that this year, and uh, makes dope. everything a little more streamlined. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Two kicks looks awesome, but yeah, right. I, I, I understand. Uh, I was able to get away with it for several years. So hey, that's cool, man. You did it. Yeah. Now yeah. you don't have to worry about not ever having done it. Yeah. Um. That. Uh, that kit that so uh, for listeners Billy and I are from the same place we used to live together we had a jam session uh, almost daily and uh, we had a music room that we've referred to as the Vista Lounge or Club Vista West 
I think it was the the Vista Lounge was located inside of Club Vista West. Oh, that's right. That's, I that's believe right. so. <laughs> was, because sometimes the Vista Lounge might not be open. That's true. That's while, true. you know, Club Vista West was operating. A VIP came in and reserved the sure. lounge. Under, that's just the way it worked. Uh, mm-hmm. T-Bone Steak, uh, among others, coming through there. Oh, yeah. That uh, Can we talk about that kit that you had set up? Is that... Yeah. It's yeah. not weird, even though no. it's not a Ludwig. Okay. Yeah. No, it was before the Ludwig days. That's true. Uh, that's still one of the best drum sets I have ever heard in my life. I haven't... I, I got to sit at that drum set and hear it day after day. Gigs in that room all over the place. And that's just one of the best drum sets that I've I've ever heard. The other best drum set that I've ever heard is that black sparkle Ludwig that you have set up in the studio. Yes. That is one of the other best drum sets, because especially with all the different uh, size options for kick and toms that you've got. Yeah, yeah. That's that's I'm due for another kit from Ludwig. I, I want to get one and just have it live in the studio. Everyone that I've had in there so far has been something that I've brought in from being on the road. Did you have that black sparkle on the road? No, but someone else did. Oh, um, copy. And uh, so yeah, they you know they're a little beat up, but they've got some mojo. But uh, yeah, they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love those drums. But yeah, man, that that the kit we're talking about is that old uh, Yamaha eighteen inch kick drum, the, the Maple Customs, right? Yeah, and it was before the issue with the factory and the you know oh yeah the relocation of the yeah, factory or whatever yeah. uh, what's the name of that other company that like split off or whatever oh um something with an s i think you're right it'll come to me i won't be able to come up with it yeah but they folded i think no they definitely did but they split sakai off. sakai that's what yeah. it, was. it was like the one of the head builders or something like got mad about them and tried to yeah. do on it, go on his own or something. I mean, they were essentially making those drums, but uh, Doctor Puerto Rico, I believe, played those for a minute. John yeah. Martinez, and I only bought that kit because JT had a kit that that he, that he pretty much had that too. same kit. Yeah, yeah, that kit threw down too. Yeah, and it was he used it in a lot of different situations around Dallas. That eighteen inch kick you used, uh, we did those two sessions for that uh cartwright thing that we did a while back you know like a long time ago but it was the first session was that that kit and the second session was some ludwigs yes which ludwigs was do you remember was it the Um, keystone it might have been right when you got them or did you play shay's vintage ludwigs i played shay's vintage ludwigs but for something else that we did over there i think oh that was for uh demoing some tunes that right before i moved to town and then the other the other one may have been the pork pie kit oh that's what it was yeah that's what it was yeah. yeah totally i knew it was something that you liked so much on the road that you took yeah them off, and off those the those pork pies i mean the they're, they're great maple shells you know so is that like good Maple and birch are those the two primary wood selections? Those are the only two that I can think of. Maybe I'm crazy. Oaks? Do people have oaks? Yeah, that's what the keystone is. Is oak? Oh, okay. uh, oak, maple, oak are the the, the, plies. the plies. 
Um, is more plies or less plies better for like a resonant drum, or does it depend on the density of the wood the plies are made out of? Or it depends both? on the plies of the wood. It depends on the the direction of the grain um, as you're making the plywood. You know when you when you layer the veneer. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot that goes in. DW really goes crazy with that kind of stuff. Do they? Um, yeah, they had some like multi-layered, jump, yeah, right? like five or seven or something crazy. Oh yeah, they'll go, they'll go. Are the, crazy do the layers more. get thinner as they're? Uh, they get shorter. Um, I think all the the layers themselves are the same. Each veneer is roughly the same. You know. So it's like thickness. one one ring is made of multiple materials kind of a yeah it's like if you if you have the longest piece on the outside and then as you come closer to the center they get shorter so as you turn it into a ring then it's that's going to make the okay see what i'm saying yeah yeah um Interesting. yeah there's a there's a whole thing but i mean i i think a lot of it though is the gluing process uh and how they uh adhere the levels of the veneer uh, to make the the shells. I think that's the special thing about Ludwig and uh, the type of glue that they use. I I really need to make it over there for factory tour. I haven't been over there. What about what about like clear coat? Does it is there uh, the camps in drum world like there are in guitar world for like the the kind of coat that you put on the finish of a guitar body? Uh, yeah, or there's man. like nitro guys and there's uh, what's the other one called? Um, Young Linden. Polyurethane? Yeah. Yeah. Nitro and poly. <laughs> all I could think of, all my brain could come up with was cellulose, which is, doesn't have anything Nitrocellulose. To do with yeah. Well, yeah, but I was saying, I knew nitro. Oh, gotcha. But gotcha. for the other one, I almost all said my polyester. Brain was like, yeah, nitro I, I and a, cellulose. Yeah. I was like, no. Same, same. <laughs> I'm doing great. Man, um, <laughs> Man it, it depends. Like on the road. Uh, I haven't had real good luck with, uh, any kind of rap because you're gonna like a, a graphic or what do you mean by rap? Uh, print. Yeah. Like, uh, cause you know, or does it, is that what the, the gloss is, is an additional wrap of some sort of material? No. Uh, so the blue sparkle Yamaha, for instance, that's a finish that's painted on. Okay. Uh, the blue sparkle pork pie, that's a wrap. Oh, okay. like what you would put on a car, almost so like, a, like a piece of vinyl or, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. that's just around the shell. Yeah, and uh, I was saying graphic, but that's not the word I was looking for. And I just, I just haven't seen a good wrap that can hold up under the sun. I mean, it's just gonna so it just kind of breaks down and peels off. Yeah, it'll start bubbling, and, and yeah. you'll see, you know, some waviness in the drum, and. uh does it affect the tone much, or just looks like shit? Um, I haven't like. I mean, you know, sure can you really hard. hit it and say like? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe yeah, you can. Maybe that's why. I, um, but also maybe you can. I feel like, it, just in my experience, the ones that resonate the best are, are the ones that are like natural finish drums that actually have a that makes sense some kind me. of finish and not the plastic around the yeah not not choking some sort, it. yeah something exactly so that's not that's always the argue uh the argument about the poly versus the nitro yeah. 
they say nitro breeze it comes off real easy it makes it looks worn more yeah. easily i mean that that kind of talk starts sounding a little silly to me at some point well yeah it's but uh, in my experience the ones fun. that don't have that on there I believe it more, more on an acoustic guitar where, like, the resonance of the body is even more important than an electric guitar. Yeah, sure. who's putting poly on an acoustic guitar? I mean, aren't... aren't Ovations? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, aren't no, most, that, like, modern... Called, uh, polyurethane. <laughs> aren't, aren't, like, don't tailors have uh, poly finishes on them? I don't know. I don't think... I didn't think so. <laughs> Mine, mine wears Are you away pretty your easily. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm looking at it. But yeah. I can't tell because it's dark over there. Yeah, or it's probably not, but this is bright right here, so I can't see right past it. Well, whatever it is, I I think it is. It has to be by definition different from the vintage stuff because the I think the yeah uh, yeah the, they are different. The EPA kind of like banned whatever formula had been sure, used. but you know, like like with my Nash or sure. with this Highway One early. 2000s. The Nash is a poly finish, though. No. no. No? It's nitro. Nitro. Totally. Okay. And my Highway 1 uh, 2005 American Standard Tele is a nitro finish. It's matte also. Really? But it's nitro, and it, it, like it, it wears away real easily. Yeah. It looks a certain way, and the argument is that it vibrates, or it, right. it, has, it has room to breathe as a, a piece of wood or whatever. And I don't know, man, because I've played some great guitars that have done, you know, it's it just, what it comes down to is, is this thing that I'm holding good or not? And if mm-hmm. the answer is yes, you say, okay, why? And then you figure out to the best of your ability and you say, okay, these qualities make this thing good. Let me find that in another instrument. And then you find another instrument that meets all those things. And it's a piece of, it's a piece of, you know, firewood. And then you pick up, like, for instance, my $100 90s Squire Strat, and it's like it's a million bucks. It's worth mm-hmm. nothing. It's got the stupid finish on it. It's made with parts that are, like, weird sizes that you can't find replacement stuff for. It's a totally stupid, like, you know, probably five-piece body It or should something. sound bad. Yeah, it's a, and it's a black one, so that means it's an especially bad body, usually. Really? They save it, the black, for, for on the low end, they save it for the, the worst ones. Huh. Because it covers up things so much better. Although, it doesn't make sense to me totally, because it's not like you can see the grain of anything. It's a yeah. like car paint. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I just, I never actually talked to a drummer about the, the finish thing. I can only imagine how overboard yeah. people may go in certain circles. Well, and I mean, I feel like I kind of tune a little more wide open than a lot of guys do. And even with as open as I tune, you know. When you say um, open, what do you mean? Um, I'm I'm just, I, I want the drums to ring. And I, and I like a pretty wide uh, tuning range from like my highest tom to my lowest. I want the top to sing. Your toms high. definitely always ring, and it and it seems like you, the pitch starts higher with the higher toms than a lot of like guys you see out that just got one up and one down, and they're they both sound the same, and they look like they're the same size, and they're they got both like thuddy. trash bags over them. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
man, that was the thing touring with uh, Chris McHugh. Um, his toms sound like a million bucks, and he swears by, you know, if you want your toms to sound big, most guys, you know, instinct is to tune them lower to make them sound big when you're sitting in front of them. Right. That's not what translates across a microphone. Or a yeah. yeah. So you tune them up and, and let them sing. And, uh, let front of house kind of carve it out a little bit. Yeah. And, man, does it work. It's it's pretty cool. So well, Your drums – well your drums have always sounded good uh in the i don't i mean we haven't played in any sheds or anything together but i played in all the other sizes of venues with you pretty much i mean maybe not stadiums or anything but nothing bigger than uh, a large or medium-sized theater i would put the toms i have out now up against anything i've heard really yeah man i mean they're they're how many you got four or five um just four 10 13 16 18 um what are th- what are these i took the little tiny guy down 10 12 14 16 okay yeah you have an eight somewhere right yeah because I, I, I thought that uh uh bear boy texted me about wanting to buy that that lower one saying it was a weird size that was i thought it was an 18 or 20 it looks huge bear boy i mean it's probably will easterwood everybody calls him bear okay i mean it's a 16 but it's yeah it's probably 16 by 16 that's 14 by 14 something well, they like sound that. huge to me and yeah. you you tuned those up once upon a time and they're still close to that i mean they've changed and nobody's no the, those much. are great i mean and that you know when you start talking about different woods and that was my first getting the keystone kit with the oaks oak being a lot harder wood yeah is that what that is no i believe those are maples okay um it's like the i think it's the literally the first year that pdp was a thing yeah and it's probably like maple poplar maple um or some combination of that is Um, poplar a softer than maple wood I think so. I don't know. I don't know. Popular. No, I don't know. Tarzo, it's cheaper. As far as I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cheaper. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they just, uh, those to me sound like good maple toms. And that's that's what the kit I have on the road now. They just, to me, that's what toms should sound like. That's what I'm used to them sounding like. Yeah. So so when I hear anything different than that, I'm, it's like, okay, cool. That's a thing. But the, the sound I hear in my head is... You know, maple toms. There's like uh, a fine line too because I've heard dudes that have like really like kind of high high pitch to low pitch sounding toms, but they sound like the Casio trigger was like ding 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 yeah ding ding ding, and it's just kind of like this dead note that no matter how hard or soft you hit the drum rings for about a quarter of a second. I like to be able it's kind to of use Nashville sound tap each drum, not very hard, just kind of tap it in the center and hear a pretty true note, you know, and so a fair amount of tension on the head. Yeah. I mean, and, and even with the floor toms, you know, cause that's, that's what I'm always telling Shay. It's like, man, if you're tapping it and it's just kind of going, <clears throat> 
you know, there's no, you have it too loose. Tune it up and, and get a note out of it. It should be like, boom, you know, and yeah, the same totally. with all the drums. And But then, you know, that that's the thing is like people are always wanting to get the most resonance. And then when you do that and the toms are really singing that well, you have to have a good monitor guy, especially if you're running uh, side fills with subs. Yeah. Cause lots of times guys think they like to put a little drums in the side fills to kind of liven things up. And I've run into so many situations where guys aren't thinking to listen for that, but you know, I'll, I'll hit my floor toms and they'll start feeding back, uh, oh, cause you're good from the side fills side fills. And, uh, and you know, Usually I have drums louder than probably anybody else on stage, so I'm sure. really hearing it. And lots of times you can look and see the drums, you know, start to shake. Um, That's crazy. So unless you have, uh, you know, really good sound guys that know how to handle that kind of thing, um, yeah, you can have all the resonance in the world, but, like, is it wise to use it, you know? Because yeah. you should recognize that situation, too, like... You know, you, you can sit there and get mad at the sound guy all night, but it's not going to make you sound any better out front. So you should probably take it upon yourself as the drummer to like deaden, the, the, dead, yeah, deaden yeah. the toms just a little bit because they keep taking off and live. this guy isn't fixing it. Um, I have a I I have a beef with uh, that I need to talk about. Last night at a particular gig, the sound guy worked sound checking. And we play like a couple of songs and something on the stage is feeding back somewhere in there. And Rob said, Hey, we got some, uh, low end feedback up here. I don't know if you can hear it. And the sound guy says, yeah, we're not doing that tonight. I don't hear anything. Sorry. (laughs) And he goes, well, <laughs> and then like everybody on the stage was very upset because it's like he was just being a dick. And it's like, yeah, dude, there's a, you hear that? It's still ringing. And then my pack, I was having I, often at, at this particular venue and this particular side of the stage. What does it rhyme with? Uh, it rhymes with, and there's, I have RF interference three out of four times. I have RF interference. So I said, Hey, sound engineer, I'm having RF. Can you come scan my pack please? And he comes up and he scans it and he gives it back to me. And he said, is that any better? And I said, you know, I've moved around and walked back and forth. I said, no. And he goes, okay and then he straight up just left and then my pack died (laughs) oh man so the the holland had to text the head of all of the engineers who had to come down there because who the other person that we were dealing with oats so yeah yeah holland and she was mad so oats had to come down (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah but i just couldn't believe he's like he said 
No, we're not doing this tonight. It's like, doing what, like, dumbass? There's a low-end feeding yeah. back. There are only 12 notes. You've eliminated a whole one of them. Yeah. <laughs> we can't play that one. It's like, oh, well, luckily it's a B. We won't play any of those tonight. <laughs> In this country gig. Not a country gig. We played a lot. Of, I played with Bodacious, my neighbor. And we've the the last six songs we played were ZZ Top songs. Yes, <laughs> it was awesome, and we got tipped probably the most for that. Yeah, the people that were in there were huge ZZ Top fans for some reason. Probably, I mean, uh, not for some reason. ZZ Top is badass, but played a gig the other night, and two or three minutes into the lead singers. DUI story oh, that he good. starts telling the crowd. Oh, I just <laughs> wanted to tell no. No, it was literally, he goes, y'all, I'm just telling you, don't drive around in Georgia with weed on you. They will take you to jail. <laughs> but, they will take so, you to jail. See, I recorded about like the last four or five minutes of this rant. Oh, and, and and towards the end, I was thinking, you know, this is, you know obviously you could, I'm thinking this. You is... could go to a hot dog cart, order, oh yeah, imbibe a full hot dog, come back, and yeah. that story would still be I going like that on. Savannah place with the ice cream, any of that shit. Um, no, I I sat there and listened to his story. I was kind of you know obviously upset, unprofessional, but then the people started tipping. They were yelling at him the whole time to sing another song. And then people started throwing money in because you wouldn't shut up. Oh, so you filibuster him and yeah. you're tipping. <laughs> yeah, so. so I didn't know. Like, originally I thought about calling the guy that booked me. Like, I got to, you know, tell this guy about this. Hey, bro, guess what you did to me? Yeah. <laughs> but now I'm like, oh, well, that night ended up being okay. Got to hear a little story, I guess. Well... Little, little gig, little story time. Yeah. What could be better? It's an interesting place. It's changed a lot since we moved here. Man, it's so weird. There are still great gigs to play down there with great bands and and players. But, man, there sure is a lot of not that, too. It's hard to... Yeah. You know, I have always said... And I still feel this way. I really do enjoy playing those kinds of gigs. It's good for your chops. It's it's just good for you. You you know you meet people you wouldn't otherwise meet. You're getting to play music. You're exercising your brain. You know, sure. It's if you do it right, it's a paid transcription gig too. Well, all yeah, totally, one hundred percent. But you run into a lot down there, people. And this is, and I always say this, and I probably sound like a, a broken record, but where we come from, London included, if you show up two gigs in a row and you're just folding through every other song or you don't know any sig licks and like nothing improves by the next gig or the third gig, you're gone, man. You are gone. And here, you can, you can work a double every day. Uh, we were I know we were just talking about your drums and drums Broadway, are cool. Broadway, we were talking about Broadway. Yeah, drums I was complaining are... about that sound engineer. That's what was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that guy can kick rocks. So, 
the Woodstock '99 thing that I was that I you said we said Roland and Limp Biscuit started playing in my head, and that made me think of that Woodstock '99 video. And one of the things that made an have you guys both seen that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the things that made the biggest impression on me was how hard Limp Biscuit and Corn brought it on stage. Those dudes were fucking throwing down, man. <laughs> like I was like I was getting pumped on the couch. Like legit I was getting pumped on the couch. I was like, damn, I was like went up and turned that shit up. I was like I was ready to party. Dude, what's his name? Jonathan uh Davis? Yeah. Yeah. Like collapsed, right? When he walked off stage. Yeah. Because it was killer. so hot. Yeah. And he was going crazy i mean like you know those both of those bands were notorious for like doing that and it's kind of like the opposite from a band like stain who is just like a a very standstill but from a sonic standpoint like they they punch you right in the chest yeah i had a panic attack at a stain concert in quebec city (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think I've told you, me and Dave Perez and one of our other buddies. But before that was ruined by my panic attack, it was honestly one of the most exhilarating concert experiences just from a sonic standpoint. I had my earplugs, so it wasn't like hurting my... If I, I, I couldn't have done it without the earplugs. But just, I could feel the treble strings of the guitar differently than i could feel the kick and the the bass and the the rhythm play like you could just it was you could just feel all of the different things it was my senses were certainly heightened in a state of near anxiety breakdown but it was i mean it was like i I was just having the time of my life It, it was just something about the way it was hitting my body was just just like <laughs> it was just you know all all of the endorphins were were yeah. released it was just like a, a giant dump all at once <laughs> it was crazy uh, i digress but <laughs> it was it was crazy that was a very weird moment that was a pregnant pause i i, I went called. from yeah no doubt I I went from total exhilaration to anxiety overload in an alley in French speaking <laughs> Canada in some old ass buildings. The I forget what the name of the theater was, but it was like 130 years old, and it was kind of like if the Ridgely Theater was 130 years old. You know, it was about yeah. that size, and just like generally just like four walls in a stage is not a lot going on in the in the building but like really tall ceilings yeah it sounded awesome in there i would love to go back quebec city is a uh, have you played there have you been up there yeah mm-hmm. what a cool place man dude like and that in that hill we stayed in the hotel we stayed in i had a valley facing window and like no matter where you stay, if you face the valley, you you can see over whatever's in front of you because that steep ass hill or whatever. It's beautiful. It's like you can yeah. see for hundreds of miles, or 
That's how I remember it. <laughs> Weather permitting. Yeah. yeah oh, sure, sure, sure. I I was I was there in August. I didn't go in like sure Canada months. <laughs> no Canada months. I was talking with somebody today about uh, loading out of Bemidji, Minnesota. You played up there at that casino mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in January, and it was negative forty six degrees. Oh yeah, I have never experienced that cold before or since. <laughs> Man, I did, uh, last year I did, uh, well, two years ago, because it was before the pandemic, Fargo in February. Oh, wow. That's desolate. (laughs) Drove back in an ice storm. Yeah, we were basically driving in a blizzard in a V6 van pulling a trailer and it had a governor. I mean, it was a worst case scenario. All of the side windows were iced over on the inside. We had blankets. I was I borrowed my friend Steve Seal, shout out to Steve. Let me borrow his like Arctic winter jacket because I didn't have one. He's like, Nah mate, you need to take this. And he gave me his jacket and thank God he gave me that jacket, man. I had <laughs> I was not prepared for it to be that cold in the van during Were you wearing travel. shorts? No, I wasn't. I was wearing sweatpants, and it d- <laughs> I may as well have been wearing shorts because I was so cold. It was brutal. I don't know how I'd segued from that uh, into that from whatever it was we were talking about, Woodstock 99 and Quebec City and Keystone yeah. L- series by Ludwig <laughs> <laughs> and Polly versus Nitro. Uh, I do want to know... Tell the people a little bit about your recording setup at the house, kind of your signal chain, because we've done a bunch of demo stuff together, and we need to do some more of that soon. Yeah. Uh, definitely, that was my, definitely the high point for the shutdown for me, was being yeah. able to come to your house and play songs all day. Yeah. <laughs> or make songs all day. Yeah. Even. Yeah, Both, no kidding. Really. Um, yeah, I'm just running. You don't have to give away any secrets, but. No. I have zero secrets. <laughs> uh, the that Apollo 8Ps. Uh, I run two of those. And uh, just like usual suspect mics. Like 421s a, on the Toms? That 421s on the Toms. Uh, 57s on the snare. You get those spirits still overhead? Uh, Yeah. I'm using, I, I like those. Yeah, those are cool. And then uh, you got a series of room mics now too, don't you? The, you yeah. got one of these, a forty thirty three, a couple of forty thirty three. Or is that a front of kit mic? Uh, for that, that KSM thirty two. Yeah, um, or a crotch mic, whatever you want to. What's what's the what's the total number of mics you have set up when you're tracking at the house? Um, I can track, you know, fifteen you know 14 or 15 i mean what do you I, usually do you, you um mean, yeah you i run most of it right sometimes yeah you have to always use um, everything yeah just depending on like if what i'm running four toms or you know sure sure it, sometimes it seems like i don't play all of them have you set those know. old school camcos up in there and tracked any of those with all your good setup man when are we gonna do that yeah i need to do that you should do that man those are great drums what yeah what a cool vibe you know what i'm talking about the no. uh, 
they're like well, like uh, 40s or 50s? Or? Uh, no, I th- I think they're. They I know have I've seen to be 70s. They have to be 70s. It's like a real shallow shells. Yeah. No bottom heads. What, right? no, what color have, is it? Because you have, got like. They're like eight natural finished drums. Okay. They're like the only natural finished kit in there. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, yeah, your DWs are red or. Yeah. I, I wish I knew more about them. I bought them at uh, Larry Morgan's. Oh, for real? In Garland. Um, you played them a couple of times, and I always thought they sounded really cool. They definitely. Like had like resonance at different notes than a lot of toms do. Yeah, and, and those, you know, the shell. I I know for a couple of shells in particular, they're out around, so you kind of have to, you know, get a little crazy with the tuning to make it sound okay. So like, they don't resonate like a drum that's. You know, sure. like a new drum or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that was really the first kit that I bought, you know, on my own um, as a, you know, young teenager. I picked that kit up. So making the move from that to uh, a newer kit, you know, that had been built, you could really feel the difference on the drums. With those, like, they have the... Uh, Somebody stuck the old Yamaha style mounts on the uh, sides of the drums. Apparently, those old Camcos were kind of notorious for having bad hardware. So, I don't know that I've ever heard or that I've ever seen another set of Camco drums. Yeah, they're they were just you know, they had a unique vibe to them. I thought yeah. they were cool. I just I, I really uh, at that age I was into DWs and uh, they looked kind of like DWs. Yeah, so. Uh, it's cool. Works for me. It's way cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> are you when uh are you running plugs when you track, are you running totally are you like bussing effects and tracking dry? Um yeah, I'm never nothing no effects are ever going to tape on any channels or anything i mean it's usually i'm just uh uh tracking the channel strip oh, you know okay. so i might yeah. color it and just you're working a little in bit luna, right yeah yeah oh i forgot yeah i forgot yeah. you were working in luna yeah i started working in luna right yeah pretty much immediately right? yeah like i mean a, a month or two after it came out so there were some <laughs> growing pains for sure yeah. It can be frustrating at times, yeah. but you do you monitor with because uh, I mean I know in like in the the like UA uh, kind of monitoring screen you can choose to either track or monitor uh, with effects like or you know like say you want compression or something do you monitor with any of that stuff? So that's the interesting thing with Luna is that you really don't have to run. You're talking about running console, yeah. Uh, so you don't have to run console alongside oh. Luna. Okay. So you just run Luna. Um, and that was how I found that to be helpful for what I was doing because in a lot of situations I would have, um, you know, a fair amount of inserts on each drum mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, Tom group and, you know, all the stuff you're doing to kind of get it to sound decent. And, uh, and I had all that running in Pro Tools, so I'd have all of these inserts live, 
and then bounce back over to console and arm all of those channels to record. And the second that I did that and it activated the unison pre's, it would take up all the DSP. Right. And then, so, and that would cause it to bog down and do a bunch of weird stuff that you don't want to have to deal with. So, you know, I would have to go in first and, uh, disable all the inserts and pro tools and then arm all the tracks in console track what i'm going to track on you know (laughs) yeah i mean it was just a long process yeah and uh back and and forth sounds like yeah and so with luna it just solved all that you know Mm -hmm. hit record you record it you're done and you can immediately hear it back. It sounds like a million bucks. Yeah. And then there's the, you know, the tape emulation that's kind of woven in to the the framework of Luna and it doesn't take up any extra horsepower, you know. So Interesting. it's uh and all of that stuff sounds fabulous. I've started using the API summing in particular. And it's just one of those things. It's like you don't have to do a lot. You just add it, and it's like, oh yeah, it sounds better. Yeah. Every yeah. time I've heard since you got that, particularly, uh, every time I've heard something that you sent me or that you sent Rob, uh, it sounds, yeah, like it sounds like the finished product. Yeah, and that's that's cool too for sending clients uh, a a quick, good sounding version of of the stems. You know. And so lots of times, you know, they'll they'll opt to just, uh, you know, have me send them a stereo mix of the drums even, mm-hmm. and uh, and not have to mess with trying to throw together a drum template. And It depends on who you're working with. Some people have a drum template yeah. they like to use, and it's easy to just fly in your stuff, and, you know, it works. But That's a tricky thing, too, is like if... Uh, Templates only work for uh, somebody that sends you something exactly the same, then every time i mean you can start at a certain place sure Mm -hmm. but isn't that what you're doing with no plugs as well you know where you're gonna go first well i i mean i i think it's i think it's like kind of uh tricky when you don't necessarily trust the judgment of what somebody's gonna do with what you send them you know Mm -hmm. because then you don't really have a, a hand in how you're represented in you know like if you're going to like um, some studio in town for an artist, typically you can assume that the engineer is going to know what they're doing. But if you're flying a track in to, you know, Bob in Oregon, like sure. you have no idea. I think it's pretty cool that you can kind of get something really good. Even if you have to send them individual tracks, you know, sure. You can be like, yeah, I kind of did this already and, treated. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. And I know guys in Chicago easier. too, that will do that. It, like, you know, that do the gospel stuff and they're like, yeah, I don't really know this engineer or the producer. And I listened to some other stuff. It wasn't the best. So like I sent it to him and I was like, Hey, don't touch, the, touch the guitar, you know? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, knowing who you're working with and what they're using it for, it's, it's one thing if somebody says, Hey, play this for me. And they're just, you know, literally looking for you to fly it something quick and so you shoot them whatever it's another thing i mean at least in my experience people aren't calling me to flying fly them things for masters so sure sure so there's just a certain level of expectation there yeah so it really comes down to talking about your workflow it comes down to 
how quickly can you turn around those good sounds yeah. you know and well and especially somebody running 13 14 yeah different mics and worrying about phase and uh, yeah etc etc and that's that's when i talk to friends that are a little skittish on making that jump it's just for for what i'm doing personally it works better you know and sure. uh, it makes my life easier um so I'm, I'm all about just the whole point of the room there at the house is having a rig that's just always sitting on go, you know? Mm-hmm. No, totally. Um, is and, Luna free to any UA yeah. uh, it interface? It was at first. It is. Uh, to, uh, I think you have to get a certain level of their hardware. You okay, know, I don't you can't know just get a duo or whatever. Or yeah, 20, I, I, I know. Maybe the most recent one, <coughs> what the MK2 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to get a certain level. I forget okay. what it is, but it isn't crazy. You can get a pretty small version yeah. of something and get Luna. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. I think it sounds great. So, yeah, I mean the stuff that uh, lo- lots of your drums recorded in lots of different places have been. Uh, featured in bed music in this podcast so far. <laughs> our pan- our pandemic stuff, the Cartwright stuff. Um, you know, it's funny, man, because you say like, "Oh, the stuff I'm I'm doing isn't it's not for masters." Well, it's not until it is, and that that was kind of what happened. The performances to me. are always there, sure, and, th- yeah. and that's what it, that's what it really comes down to, right? Yeah. It's like. Sure, it sounds good, but does your playing sound good? Because yeah. if, if your playing sounds like shit and it sounds good, like it still doesn't sound good. Well, and just kind of knowing what's what's expected sure. from you and what you know people are used to getting. But it starts at the playing, and that's something that not enough people seem to be talking about. I don't understand the the low standards sometimes around here and i i mean that at all the levels i'm not saying this act is slacking or this downtown band sucks i'm saying a lot of them suck and why doesn't anyone care anybody (laughs) anybody anybody yeah bueller you know there were seems like there were a lot of people that left town you know this uh over this last year when yeah. when uh we all sh- were shut down and they're like you know what this is as good a time as any to tell everybody to kiss my ass <laughs> people are just uh really grateful to get a warm body in a in a position it seems like the especially the past you know four or five months the the downtown thing especially man there's just like yeah they got more stages than they got players and well, and then the problem now is like national acts that are aren't quite that big yet, but that that are trying to go out and play some shows. It's not that enticing for players that are working Broadway that are you know you can go out there and play a double and make a really good you yeah. know living. And, you can make a big chunk if yeah. you know if you know what gigs to take and what ones to decline. I mean. It, it, when you're new you got to just kind of like eat crow for a minute obviously but you just learn who to tell no you know that's what that's all it really is, is yeah. figuring out who to say no to yep. because i if i don't know you and you call me to play a gig and i'm available i don't care what the gig is i'll probably do it 
Mm-hmm. You're a you're a new person. That's a different place for my brain to go. It's maybe it's a challenge as a musician or whatever. It's a I mean it's a constant challenge, just like learning and being able to retain new songs. Uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to like learn a few tunes and then you know you you go play a, a gig and then the next morning you go to the rehearsal and you you know you get to listen to the songs on the way in but you don't get to sit back down with them even though yesterday you had them on lock and then you get there and you're like uh uh how how does any of this go yeah you know like yeah there's there's a lot of that and like i I get it i've been there but the the amount of or or rather the threshold for what is acceptable these days seems kind of low it's weird man it's it's kind of it's halfway unfair because we're in an environment what's different about dallas is that you know you get a new gig in Dallas and they send you a song or, you know, back when we were doing it, they send you a song list and a CD or whatever. And, uh, and you learn the stuff, you show up prepared and there, there's really no gray area. It's like you either Mm -hmm. learn the shit or you didn't. Well here, the, the amount of stuff you have to be prepared for is so much bigger than what you're actually That's capable of. Yeah. Or like a dude will send you the other day somebody sent me two hundred songs when yeah. I asked for a list. And I, I mean, yeah, I know a bunch of the standards, so I knew a yeah. lot of it. We did I don't think we played twenty percent of what was on like a, a set list worth of that list. That's they kept calling uh, like uh, you know David Bowie deep cuts and stuff. <laughs> Uh, Neil McCoy did that to me. You know? Oh, really? He wouldn't commit to. I was like, man, just give me a few set lists from different nights. And they're like, no, hear all the songs. <laughs> and it was like close to two hundred songs. It was like, well, I guess I'll chart out all of the songs I know that he's doing of his, and just get tempos on everything else and kind of go from there. Yeah, and uh, I mean, kind of dangling you over the fire. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it, it, I think for people who didn't, you know, we had a, a strong scene to come up in in Fair. Dallas. It, it was, I mean, there are a lot of people that move here that didn't have mm-hmm. a scene as much. So when they're or, arriving, or any scene at yeah. all they're like the only person in their town like, oh my god you're so good well, you should move to Nashville yeah well and they come here with that big fish mentality and uh, and they haven't even cut their teeth in any kind of scene yet they're yeah. just showing up in Nashville and they're like I can play I'm ready to go not only that and then people are dumping booze down their throats and well and 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 then yeah if you're if you're looking at it from their perspective it's like you know you're expected to know a thousand tunes or whatever it is you know with how many people are calling every weekend or whatever the kinds of requests you're getting here these days the the with the advent of the big shared dropbox folders whoever pays for that or whatever like pretty dope uh I mean, that's great, man. For somebody throws 40, 50, 60 bucks in the, in the jar and says, 
hey, and one person on stage is like, yes, I can sing that song. Do you guys have charts? And everybody says, yes. And yep. even if you don't know it, the one person that knows it can be like, it kind of feels like this. You know, the siglick is... Or you listen to the first five seconds of the song. Get, you can get through yeah. it. It can resemble the song to a certain extent with the melody and the words, which is yeah. all that really matters to the people that are requesting the songs. They're not requesting it because they want to hear that uh, that guitar riff and the tacit yeah. between first chorus and second verse. They're just those certain things, man. It's like... If you're if you're showing up to a gig and you're folding and giving me the wide eyes on chicken fried, it's like, bro, you know you're gonna play chicken fried, you know. Sure. Or it's like any or, or neon moon. If you yeah. don't know how that goes, it's like, man, bro. Chances I, are we're playing neon moon. I think I think that <laughs> like, we we like. All, I think that all three of us didn't realize how special the dallas scene was how i mean for me at least that soil yeah was, i mean i went to chicago and chicago has the same thing just in a slightly different way um but you know then you go somewhere like nashville and it's it's not like there's bad musicians in nashville there's amazing there's musicians, and, musicians yeah it's nashville. it's crazy and they're all but too busy it's kind of like going to walmart though you get the full spectrum of humanity uh, if you go play on Broadway, you probably get the full spectrum of musicianship within the city, you know? I, I feel like that's a skill, though, you know, just back to learning the songs and the level at which you're doing that is a skill that you're always kind of sharpening as you do. And, yeah, and retention, here, retention yeah. of just the knowing the popular catalog yeah. essentially the i mean well and then and then comes the thing is like if you have the player that does do all of those things and they go to these gigs and then they find themselves wondering what's the point you when, ask yourself? when the when the four or five other people on stage didn't do their homework yeah why, why you know am, why am i here yeah <laughs> why am i trying to play this siglick well, when uh, the singer is just starting with the first verse and yeah. why am i the only person here trying to do this yeah right. well apparently robert miller will let everybody know on the uh talkback mic oh yeah that's true <laughs> loudly i've been at that gig you are listening to the gear and beer podcast today's episode is sponsored by Bobby Jam's Kitchen. Want to take your home cooking to the next level? Need new recipe ideas or meal inspiration? Like, follow, and subscribe to Bobby Jam's Kitchen on YouTube and Instagram. At Bobby Jam's Kitchen. Cook your food and eat it. And it's like, so why are we showing up gig after gig and we play these songs and we played it real bad last week and, and the, in the week before that and the week before that, but this week, well, no, uh, no, I didn't learn it for this week either. I, this past week, this past Sunday, 
I played a downtown gig with someone whom we both play with. And the bass player that was on the gig was the only one that wasn't on ears. And he's like texting, looking at his phone, reading every chart. He doesn't know any, any songs with the exception of chicken fried, you know? And at one point, I mean, he's just like, he is dropping bar after bar of wrong notes and songs and he won't look at anyone at anyone <laughs> he won't look up and so i went over to the talk back and i don't typically <laughs> curse a lot on this show but this show this podcast but my words and i will omit names and i said sir if you don't tell this motherfucker to get off his phone in the middle of songs while he's dropping notes, I'm about to lose my shit on him all over this stage in front of all these people, and then I'm leaving. <laughs> and yes. that will be the last gig he plays with us. But, I mean, four gigs in a row. All the same, no problem. It's an older dude. It's a dude who should know better. Yeah, Plays man. real loud. Can't possibly be listening to anyone Why is this else. dude getting called back for the gig? Because they need bodies, man. Yeah, sure. Yeah. They need bodies. And this particular person doesn't have the biggest net to cast. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to, as Billy has, bring like actually people who can play into the fold and try to encourage this particular singer uh, into doing the thing a little better and like pushing the jug mm -hmm. and like really doing the songs and knowing when to do do your thing and when to just like right okay these people don't care what can we do to make them care what friends in low places is that what we need instead to of treating you know, it like an artist instead show. of being like okay let's do this moody and brooding song <laughs> that i wrote 16 years ago or in or whatever and i'm not it's that's, or 10 minute DUI story yeah it's a complete exaggeration and and he's generally likable and people like him and he's got a you know he, he does well but we we're been billy and i have kind of been helping mm-hmm push this in a direction that it could easily go and become lucrative and it's the people that are showing up on some of these gigs like this is not the first time i've been, had to be like him or me well and and the <laughs> and the, i'm serious i'll do that the guy leading the group is is perfect example of he came from zero scene touche you know and this is yeah. his first time trying to figure this all out and uh as a lot of artists do it, you know he can take things pretty personally sometimes so it's been a that can be hard just getting through you know there's a nuance to talking to this 
kinds of people. Well, yeah, it's and stupid just, that you have to take it that way because you should just be able to be like, hey, this. And but you know, people surviving react react. In, in this, yeah. yeah, in this world of or, or just taking doing, yeah. taking an opportunity that uh, yeah. the way I look at it is like we have this opportunity. Uh, he's not playing in bad rooms at bad times. Like the yeah. opportunity to make some money and do what is fun to everyone is yeah. totally there. Well, and that that's the thing is that, that if that's what I think good. helped us coming from texas is that uh and that's why i think you and i get along and people wonder why that is sometimes but it's because we don't i don't think twice about you being forward about the way you feel about something whether musical or otherwise and and i think people are a little more afraid of that and and are taken aback by being up front about, hey, this isn't happening. Do something else. Yeah. You know? Well, and there certainly is a, a way to go about it that's cool. In a way of, yeah. yeah, and a way to go about it that's not cool. And I'm sure I've been guilty of doing it in a not cool way, but I honestly try to as much as I can when I have to do something like that be like hey man you know it's a compliment sandwich you know it's here's something good here's what i want you to work on and you're doing this great too yeah, yeah or, or or whatever well and the, the tough spot lots of time and that but if you're eating shit and you made me mad you're not going to get the sandwich you're just going to get the meat upside your head the thing the thing for me though is that <laughs> and it's helped me personally just to kind of deal with things and and learn to be a little more zen, I guess. But because Our I... motorcycle maintenance and Billy Freeman. Yeah, see, that helps too. Um, but being uh, a guy that, you know, most of the time I've lived here, I've had a gig. So I'm not down there as much historically. I have been over this last year. So I feel like I can speak more on it. But... uh but no, historically that was the deal. So any situation I was coming into, it was as a, a sub. And then in in that case, it's not really my place to. Yeah, you just kind of do the thing and shut yeah. up. And if you hate it, you just don't do it again. Yeah, yeah. But man, is it hard? You know, when you come from that environment where it's, you know, I I was kind of raised to like not only should you say it, but like, you know. You should fucking say it. Pardon me. But, no, you know, you should, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, uh, Curtis Randall, you know, he was man Randalling me when I was coming up, telling me, <laughs> t- <laughs> t- telling me about, you know, if you when we were doing sessions, and some of the first few sessions I did, he told me, you know, if you hear something in playback, speak up, because. You know, don't sit back and think something you played is is just sneaking its way by everyone, you know, yeah. or someone else, you know, whatever. Now you have to use your head about that sort of thing. Like, yeah, you can't be like, nope, guitar's wrong, redo it. Yeah, it, with the client right there, and you're trying to be snappy about everything, you know. But uh, um, garage door. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is a high-level production around here. <laughs> That's uh, security. Yeah, yeah. Security's home. Security, I need a beer. <laughs> I don't have any beer. This is the last one. Um, 
Uh, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> Man what? randling. But yeah, you know, you sh- w- when you hear things like that, that it's always wise to speak up and and let it be known that hey, uh, you know, that's there. Whether it needs to be fixed in post or if you want me to go back and redo it, but just kind of find a way to let people know, you know, that that you're aware that that's not happening or yeah. or that it could be done better. And uh, yeah, man, because people, if they think you're laying things down and you're okay with that performance they just won't call you right it's it's not about trying to you know uh groom every player you meet you know they, totally. they just they're enough out there can you do it or can you not do yeah it? if you can't do it you are going to disrupt our otherwise perhaps uh efficient workflow yeah. and we're going to be here another two hours or you or whatever and like nobody wants that nobody wants that and that comes to live rehearsals and just like having to go to a a, a cover gig it's like if so and so is going to be here i know that they don't know these songs so i'm about to go and have to work to drag everybody through this uh, as a matter of fact i don't think i'm available for that gig well and that's you know? happened for us like over the course of you know eight years of living in nashville and us recording together pretty much from the get-go yeah you know over at steamboat double and, cheese uh, uh original yeah in uh nashville proper and oh, uh, you're back in proper yeah so we uh yeah i mean we've developed a a way of doing things when it's just you and i yeah. layering and then when you run into situations where you're dealing with clients and guys that want to be a part of that um they can get in the way sometimes <laughs> and disrupt that workflow and you kind of have to let people know like hey we've developed this this is and that's a know, delicate thing things. because they come in uh, uh, especially from a client standpoint they come in and it's like uh you know this is about to be the perfect moment it's going to go exactly like i think it's going to go and all these things that i'm hearing are perfect and then you 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 take it to whoever's tracking it let's say you know us for instance and we're like this is great but what if we and then you're like oh my baby you're gonna gonna change my baby yeah it's like if you are enlisting the help of professionals to help you achieve whatever your artistic vision is Enlist the professionals whose artistic vision you enjoy in other aspects. Or you can do what a lot of people do and just pay a bunch of money for a name who's got a closet full of SM57s. And you can get eight tracks of uh, dog barking on vinyl (laughs) delivered to your front front step, you know. (laughs) And you can, you know, you can take that over to your... Uh, to your phonograph and you can bluetooth that over to your ssl console and uh run it through an echoplex or two and just call it a day you know just really achieve that uh that vision that you had east nashville sound yeah man uh (laughs) do you do you guys have any old boxes cool can we put some mics on those (laughs) suitcases 
I'm going to put my little battery-powered belt clip Marshall in this box. Can we get a couple of KSM-32s in there? <laughs> can I get one on the inside of the box and one on the outside of the box? And can you put one on my 83 Volvo? <laughs> the U47. <laughs> on the Volvo. Oh, uh, yeah. that's uh, you, you have to use a like a vintage German mic on a vintage German car. Oh, oh they sure. really like diesel. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, Diesel Boy, drum and bass. Huh? Get it? You get it. Yeah. All right. You don't know Diesel Boy? No. Diesel Boy is a drum and bass DJ from like the 90s, like the early 90s. At the the uh, onset of like that heavy like DJ I think I saw sample scene. Mm-hmm. Diesel Boy and Paul Oakenfold. That's what, you know, drum and bass is... <laughs> Diesel Boy and Paul can fold? What? <laughs> Who opened for them? Dan Fogelberg and uh, Flying Lotus. <laughs> <laughs> and Pitbull. Defender. You know what? I bet Dan Fogelberg and Flying Lotus would have made beautiful music. Dan Man, there was the this guy. The band, there was this guy that was on the road with Neil for a while that. If you asked him what he did for no us, shine. he would say that he sold kids. And uh, he would he would line up his little merch table, and he had these pictures of children that you could, you know, sponsor, I guess. For, you know, different levels of, you know, like the... Buy little Timmy a jacket. Yeah, whatever Buy it is. Buy little Timmy a college you know, education. I'm trying to... What was the... Lady's name that was in All in the Family. She was the daughter in All in the Family. She was in All. Archie Bunker Show. Yeah, I don't remember, man. Not Susan. Oh, what was her name? Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Summers. Or no, it wasn't Suzanne. Fuck. <laughs> Susan Sarandon. No, that's what I was. Sally Ann Struthers. Sally Struthers. Oh, thank yeah, you. I knew it was an right. S name. I forgot about that. I remember her from all of her uh, Metamucil commercials or whatever on Nick at Night when I was. Born. I'm getting sidetracked here. Where is the story? One of that story is that I called that guy. His name was Dan, and I always called him uh, Dan Fogelberg, and it would piss him off so much. And it gave me such pleasure. I've only seen one show at Red Rocks, and it was Dan Fogelberg solo with a guitar and a piano and it was awesome and it was pouring ass rain i was 15 years old see i thought it could have gone either way awful or i was expecting no it was awesome man i it was so good that 15 year old me was able to enjoy it and all i wanted to do was like listen to Soundgarden. so leader of the band and John Sutter's Mill was not exactly my daily playlist. I just don't know if I could have gotten on board. I was too into Dream Theater at the time. I mean, he was just he was just great. Was it anything like Mike Portnoy though? Yeah, except for <laughs> better. Yeah, yeah. Only good. Yeah. <laughs> not a big fan of that guy. Really. Uh-uh. Couldn't tell. I mean, uh, he's gr- he's a incredible drummer. It's I a just, different band. You know what, though? What I, was because, he in the string cheese experiment as well? <laughs> I have no idea <laughs> who 
You know what I'm talking about? Liquid tension experiment? <laughs> That's the... But wasn't there a string cheese theory? No, that's a... Uh, experiment? No, that's the... String cheese incident. Incident. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a jam band. It's yeah, experiment. It's like a, incident? A, yeah, it's like a, it's like a band full of uh, mountain people with banjos. Yeah, yeah. Dorks. Yeah, it's a bunch of like skinny skinny dudes with beards The new one's Umphreys. Umphreys is a good band, right? Our merch guy is really into Humphreys McGee. They're not new, but they're like uh, Fusion Jam. Well, we were talking about it. He said they're kind of like the new... They would be, you know, kind of carrying the torch from Fish. Grateful Dead to Fish, and maybe Humphreys is like... Uh, Yeah, yeah, they do. um, And uh, they're all like fantastic players, but I mean, it's, it's still the heavily the jam band thing, but they can like, they can all like, they could go and play any of the gigs that we play most likely. I think they're a Chicago band actually. Hmm. Um, my buddy Kevin was big into them. You remember Kevin Sneerly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was a great guitar player and he, I think he's, his band has done some shows with them and he got to like get up and play with them. He's a, he's a huge fan. I've listened and not very much, so I just don't. I don't really have any. I think if you went information and not that it's worth doing this at all, but if you listen to the records that Dream Theaters put out with Mike Mangini, he's an awesome player, you know, and very technically proficient. And everything doesn't have the mojo. Yeah, Mike had this rawness about him, like Portnoy. You mean? Yeah. The other mic. They're both named Mike. Yeah, so sorry. Yeah. Support Noy. To all our listeners yeah. out there, we're talking about the new iteration of Dream Theater with Mike Mangini as opposed to the original iteration of Mike Portnoy on the drums and cymbals. Yeah. Yeah. What he said. I'm talking very close to this microphone. Fuck, I feel really creepy now. <laughs> ASMR and beer. Yeah, welcome to Gear ASMR and beer. Yeah. So I don't have any gear with me. You don't have any gear, and I'm out of beer, so. Yeah. I think it's a perfect time for me to ask you this week's silly question funhouse. And then we'll go eat more doubles. Double doubles. I'm down. You have to be. It's the way this goes. Okay. So this week on Fun with Questions. (laughs) (laughs) Ask your questions and answer them. Billy, what I have for you here is a series of questions, the first of which are largely an either or scenario. And we're going to start with a heavy hitter. And my first question is Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Okay. Care to elaborate? Um, yeah, I mean, Dave Mustaine, he got kicked out of Metallica. That's fair. Right? Have you heard Mechanics from Megadeth's first record? Yeah, I mean, I've heard Megadeth's whole first record. So, well, you probably don't remember, but... So you think that because of this one song that I'm just going to give up on Metallica? No, 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 
no, I just, it's just an interesting like, note that I recently I choose Metallica. Remembered. Well, have you heard this one song? No, no, no. I recently remembered. <laughs> this so, isn't really a series of you, questions. This is where Rob tries to convince you that Megadeth <laughs> is better than Metallica. <laughs> On the first record, Kill Em All, there's a song called The Four Horsemen. Correct? Yes or no? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The song Mechanics by Megadeth is exactly the same song from a guitar standpoint. Okay. Because Dave Mustaine wrote that. And he took it with him when they fired him. And I just recently remembered that. And I mean it's they're different songs, but the guitar the guitar part is the same. It's ninety five percent the same. They don't go they don't break it it's a little faster and a little thrashier on the Megadeth version. Anyway. Yeah, ex- that that would make it more Megadeth. I, I I'm thankful that that happened to Dave Mustaine because I think without that we wouldn't have had Megadeth, right? No, no chance. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of Megadeth. I am a big fan of Metallica. Uh, I was recently talking with former podcast guest Mark Letary, uh <laughs> about th- the Metallica Megadeth scenario. We had a throwdown uh, where I was admonished properly by uh, Mark trying to classify Megadeth. It was hard for me to think of them as thrash metal. But then I saw, so I was like revisiting to be like, is this thrash metal? And then I listened to those first two records. I was like, oh my God, this is so clearly thrash metal. What was I ever thinking? They, I mean, they went somewhere else from there. <laughs> yeah. But they definitely, those first two, arguably three records are thrash. 100% thrash. And it is ripping. And the remasters of some of that stuff sounds really good. It really does. Yeah. That's I mean, kind of what they're doing. He's like releasing an original record, doing a couple remastering things, getting some, you know, another original record. Somebody else remasters something else, and it's like it's just like a cycle. That's actually pretty brilliant. But uh, I digress. So my next question is Megadeth or Metallica. this is uh, this is the question that I'm going to call the King's Court. And so my question to you is of the Kings. Whom is the greatest, Freddie, BB, or Albert? Who is whom is your favorite? Greatest is subjective. Man, I have a whole um, spiel about it that I'll be glad to tell you after your answer. I would say, for me personally, it. it I, I'm a big. Uh, admire of anyone whose uh voice comes through in playing like the most simple thing and bb's kind of like the man with like you know he can play a note yeah and and you know it's him you totally. know and there's something to be said for that you know 100 uh, having a thing i mean that's so. that's what legendary players are made of is things yeah. like that yeah. it's like they they play a note or they play a single phrase and you're like, oh, that's yeah, whomever. Uh, my spiel about the Kings is when somebody asks me what my favorite is, I, was, I, I have qualifications that I came up with and they're probably arbitrary, but I think that BB is the greatest singer. I think that Albert is the best guitar player. And I think that Freddie had the coolest songs. Yeah. That's the way I look at it, and that way I'm able to enjoy them all equally and give them their own <laughs> um, place in the in the sun. Um, jazz or metal? 
Oh, man. Those are very starkly <sighs> different genres of music. One which greatly encourages the art of improv, and the other which does the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on what you mean. It's a dumb question. It's all, I, I, My answer would always be both, but I just... If you had to pick... Well, but let's, let's, like, let's, let's say, like, uh, is it, is it, can you, could I play jazz but have electric instruments? Sure. Jazz to me, largely, uh, depends on who you ask. If you ask Nicholas Payton, jazz died in 1958. So I don't it, ask Nicholas Payton. Anything. I wouldn't either. He's kind of a jackass, yeah. but he makes great music. And that's all that's really important. He's but good. jazz to me, largely just means, the nature of improvisation and extended pursuit of musical thought through solo. Um, I would say the spirit of jazz for sure. I would have to choose, but sound and vibe wise, I like a little more aggression and and I think it comes out in my playing. I like to be totally. a little more. And that works great in both of those genres. Yeah, yeah. So like, I, especially but, the Dallas version of jazz. Yeah, I like the improvised stuff. But I yeah. do too. And I also love metal very very much. It's a yeah, tough and question. I hear you know it's, it's weird because even like the like uh, animals as leaders guys, you know, Tosin and he uh, the other guy, you know, uh, that doesn't. <sighs> drum guy oh matt, matt garska, garska? garska yeah. um you know he's kind of miserable in that he talks about it because he's like there isn't really room no for, for any yeah improvisation i mean they have little pockets where you could maybe change up things a little mm -hmm. bit but not much and uh you know a lot of that's largely because you know they're they're, they're touring act and they've yeah. got a lot of a light shows probably coordinated with what he's playing and it's it's gonna look stupid if he doesn't play with. Um, yeah, they kind of painted themselves into a corner a little bit. I, yeah. it's very cool, but it doesn't allow. It just doesn't really allow for them to, to go anywhere. But then you know, there's something, especially for younger players, man. I mean, I, I really got a kick out of going to see uh, the bands play the technical stuff that I'd heard on records totally. uh, to go see them do it in person was super cool to me. And, and to hear it, you know, for guys that grew up listening to rush or mm -hmm. any kind of prog band like that, you know, you want to go out and air drum the Neil Peart parts totally. and Alex lives, all that, you know? And, uh, so there's, there's something to be said for that. And, and as you get older, you don't appreciate it as much, but, I don't know. I it, it I find myself lots of times now, especially being in the touring industry and doing more of those shows, trying to dig a little deeper to find that kid that wasn't aware of how the machine worked yet. You know? Yeah, that's a, that's and, a cool way to look at that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh because it it's hard sometimes so, man, I, I think back to the first time I saw uh, Rush at Starplex. It's like summer after eighth grade or some shit. Did you see my poster over there? The double, the triple double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two double necks and double kick. 
that had to have been like right after the long flowing. That's like that's like a yes a farewell to kings era. Yeah. Okay, so my next question that makes sense to a non uh, plugged in instrument player would have to be tacos or pizza. Mm. This is more of a lifestyle question, Billy. Tacos. As I've gotten older, tacos for sure. I totally agree. Yeah. But a really good slice of pizza is hard to beat. We're tacos at this house four nights a week. Yeah. So my heart's with the taco, no doubt. But, man, a good slice of pizza and an ice-cold beer and a football game after a long few days... It is just hard to beat that. These are yeah. impossible questions to answer. Well, I mean, you know, if but, you're if you're talking about like specific pizza joint, totally. I'm not talking about delivery. Like, if the option is delivery or tacos, always tacos. Always. You know, I mean, it, tacos. It's tacos. Period. They're just the, there's more flavor possibilities there. Yes. And I like I like the palate. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Billy Freeman. The impossible question, live or in the studio? Ooh. Um, it's an impossible question. There's no wrong answer, really, or right answer. <clears throat> I would say from now on, um, studio. Yeah? Yeah. I get more enjoyment out of uh, doing studio stuff. And if if, you know... Even at the level now, we're doing it. I have a lot of fun doing it. The and, element uh, of creation is there. It's not just repetition and execution. Yeah, totally yeah and we're that. doing it at a level now where we can make some pretty good money doing it, and uh, it's worth our time, and we're also able to like be creative. We're creative, and, and we're able to come up with what I think we both agree is a pretty salty-ass product. Yeah, yeah, and in our own homes. Yeah. And, uh, you know... As you you get up there in years, it's like it, you like being home a little more. So um, I still like going on the road, man. I, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I still like it. I I'm not sleeping in a van. Yeah, yeah. but I'll go on the road on a van if I'm not doing ten hours in a van a day kind of road gigs. But if it's like three hours, five hours, oh. one long drive, whatever, that's I I don't mind it. I'm not trying to like do the Alabama circuit where I'm just bouncing back and forth between Auburn and Tuscaloosa or any of that kind of shit. But Man, I'm just not in the habit of saying no to gigs. Same. I just you know. our f- stupid ass friend uh, Brad once said something so very impactful <laughs> to me, and he said, "Who? Yeah, exactly." <laughs> and he said, um, when somebody calls me to play a gig and I'm not busy, it feels like shit to say no because that person needs somebody to play a gig to earn some money. And I'm saying no for some sort of personal reason of laziness or whatever, and that makes me feel guilty. But then I get over it. Yeah, that's very bad. But like, but no, but it's honestly exactly how it is. It's yeah. like, man, I'm I gotta tell this guy no. I, I've got this text thread with this one dude, 
and it's just week after week of me telling no, no, no. no. Yeah. And it's not because I don't want to. It's literally I just can't. Yeah, same um, here. But there are other people who, if they ask me, I don't care if I'm busy or not. The answer is no. It's <laughs> no. I've learned who I, I like. It's really the downtown thing. There there are some some road things that I get called for that I'm like, well, I don't think I'm doing that. Even if it pays good, it's just like horrible travel arrangements. And I'm just, I'm not interested in being super uncomfortable for a few days yeah. for a few hundred dollars. Like if we're going to ride in a van for a few hours, we're going to get out, we're going to play in a cool venue and then we're going to sleep in a hotel. I'm going to get a shower. We're going to get up. I'm going to get six or seven hours of sleep before we have to get up and go anywhere you know i just don't want to feel bad if i can feel good everything else is fine yeah that's just where i'm at okay so these are a bunch of non-pertinent questions do you have a favorite live venue that you played at where you were just you found yourself mid gig and you're like holy shit the vibe of this place this is what that's what younger me dreamed of or it doesn't have to be like you, you found yourself in an idyllic but like where you just play at your a place a few times even like a, whether it's a theater or a shed or, or whatever and you're just like there's just something about playing in this place that just feels feels good and we have good shows or whatever um, this is going to sound really, uh, dark <laughs> or not dark, but cool. just jaded. <laughs> so jaded. I've played some really cool places, but I've never confused playing there for an artist versus playing there as the artist or as a part of a band because it's a completely different thing. No, totally. And and sideman versus yeah, and without member. without really knowing it, you know, when I think of like as a, as a, a, yeah, as a kid, when you think about those sorts of things, you imagine it like, as oh, pilots, Led Zeppelin, yeah, you know, playing whatever. with a band and and the people cheering for you, and there are some drummers <laughs> that really believe that that's happening, and and maybe Not, it didn't stop at the drums, my yeah. <laughs> And maybe, you know, you get them to cheer for a moment or whatever. And you, and there is the opportunity that, you know, you're definitely making some people happy. Sure. You know, you're putting on a show. At the very least, you're accompanying one of the, their favorite artists singing their favorite songs. And you're, you're, yeah. you're bringing that to them at a visceral standpoint. So those, uh, yeah, it's it's not that I'm like unappreciative. Yeah, or it's anything. not. You're, you're not it's, saying it's without merit. You're just yeah, saying it's not the same thing as being like this is this thing that I've crafted with my crafted. Yeah. I've crafted with my uh, other musical cohorts, and this is our well, offering. And there you're are, executing someone else's offering. Yeah, there are things like I built a uh, uh, a medley of pop tunes for Dustin when I first started with him. And uh, we did it the first time we played Stagecoach. We got a write-up about it in the paper, and they talked about that specifically. That's awesome. It went over great, and it was something like he took me in the studio, and we both recorded vocals for it, and like... 
Light stems. Re- yeah, we we crafted that together, he and I. And to take that out into these huge places and see how that goes over, that's super cool to see that happen and know that you kind of played a little bit of part in that. That's cool for um, sure. But it's, uh, it's more than a little cool. Yeah, man. It's but it but it's it's not the same as. No, I mean, you yeah, know. you're you're not performing songs yeah. that you wrote or whatever. I and it, yeah, it's just it's it's healthy not to to confuse the two. But there there's still a you know there's plenty of merit in both. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's still still a lot of fun. Being, being able to help an artist achieve their vision is special, man. Like, oh yeah, that's what we're all in. I mean, like, you know, McHugh talks about that a lot. Is like we're in the service industry as players, and him, him as a studio musician, that's that's what they're doing, you know, and and that's that's what I love to do, man. Is give people those options and you know help them realize the visions they have you know and maybe achieve some things they didn't even know they wanted you know type situations you just as a especially in the studio like we're talking about like being able to it's it's a fine line like this person's been hearing it a certain way over and over again at their houses they craft it and you're like fresh ears and you're able to be like what about this and mm-hmm. the smart person will be like okay do i like that does that make this better and the insecure person will be like don't change this is my song yeah you know, whatever but anybody that's hiring somebody like you or presumably me is hiring us because they like the way we do what we do and they want to impart that on their vision or they want that their whatever we provide whatever however they perceive that is a part of their artistic vision sure and what they may or may not realize is that whatever their vision we're in the business of helping them achieve that regardless of it has nothing to do with what we want what we want is your song to be as good as your song could be with whoever is involved in producing the song. Sure. And not, I don't, by producing, I don't mean like Puff Daddy. I mean like, uh, literally creating and producing, a sure. A piece of data. Um, good segue into this next question. Give me three desert Island records. Oh man, um, the unanswerable question. <laughs> so, what mood are you in right now? <laughs> yeah, which Steely Dan records have you been listening to? Well, <laughs> man, yeah, it'd be pretty easy. I mean, uh, waiting, waiting for Columbus, Little Feet would be in there for sure. That's pretty, pretty easy. Um, exit stage left would probably be in there. Wow. And then uh, I just started loving you a little more. Yeah, and then I mean, I'd have to find a Dan record, uh, but I think Citizen uh, Dan, the one that's got like everything they ever recorded. Yeah, on. yeah. <laughs> Might as well call it Citizen Dan. That's what it's called. Yeah. Well, no, no, I I know, but I mean, just call that the record that I would understood many record because man, I I'm such a Dan fan. Man, if you this is an impromptu question. 
Dan or Solo Fagan? That's a really tough question for me. I find myself listening to both all the time. I might like Solo Fagan a little more. Yeah, some of my favorite. Seems like a more pure iteration of his vision. Yeah. Like Waltz Between the Raindrops, Maxine. I love all that kind of stuff. Um, And then the whole. Brooklyn. (laughs) Morph the Cat. That whole record. Morph the Cat is one of the finest records of all time. Yeah. All time. I, I think I texted you. My mom. Eight, she was over here i can't remember they just were in town or something and i had a, a one of my playlists playing while i was cooking dinner we were just kind of sitting around hanging out or whatever and h gang came on and she started singing along with it <laughs> yeah, you're telling and i was me like that. how do you know this she goes i heard you hear it one time <laughs> i heard you listen to it one time and i looked it up and i thought it was really great and so i bought it and i've been listening to it and my mom's seen those super close Fagan harmonies and H Gang on that chorus. I was like, "What, dude? My mom's a banging harmony singer for sure." Uh, (laughs) I can just see her jamming in a hick town. (laughs) (laughs) I doubt she knew any of the words. She was just going. (laughs) Um, Okay, I have one final question for you, Billy Freeman, and then we'll roll out the red carpet or whatever Hot One says. What is the professional accomplishment that you're most proud of? If you can pick one. That's kind of a weird question, too. Um, Man, you know... I don't want you uh, to hurt anybody's feelings. Clearly, I, clearly the answer is the Cartwright record. <laughs> yeah, aside from the Cartwright record, yeah. Um, Boy, you know, I think the thing that's made me feel the best over the past 20 years or whatever doing this um i always enjoyed like the hustle of being a musician and playing with however many different artists and all day and, every day yeah and 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 over the last 10 years of kind of being tied up touring um you lose that uh, an aspect of that because you're kind of with one person sure. playing a lot of shows you're much less available due to travel etc yeah so it was uh it was really nice to get that feeling Plus the, again with the, with the little one when yeah. you are in town you, you have yeah spend time with yeah and that's always factored in bee. yeah so by the uh, way what is she like 11 <laughs> she is four and a half over four and a half four and a half gone on 11 yeah oh yes you started. Have, you got to you got to show Aaron her show video before you oh, leave. She's writing songs, putting on shows in the living room now. Amazing it's a karaoke machine. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, man, just this last year with with 2020, um, I was proud to be able to throw together uh, somewhat of a year of making money playing music in in whatever situation we were in and and constantly changing yeah and not only do that strictly but, limited for much of the year yeah and and 
fortunate enough to to have you know a handful of jobs and be able to throw some friends some work and uh and just you know it it felt like uh just kind of being alive again as a a, a hustling musician it's a good so, feeling to be so busy that you're like i'm sorry yeah yeah like over and over again that's where i've been and you know again i alluded to earlier that i i do tell people no if 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 there's you know if there's no like musical fulfillment of any kind like i almost don't even care what it pays you know what i mean and not only will you do yourself a disservice to that gig you took but you will carry that in to the good gigs you've taken and and you got to keep yourself healthy that's mentally that's a really as a, that's a really it. important thing here especially the downtown <laughs> grind which just uh, i don't i don't know that anything like that exists anywhere else in the united states if not even the world just how that broadway grind can be it can be so good and it can be just hell man oh, yeah. i've experienced both sides of it <laughs> but it's man it, you know to play because no shit, I've played Madison Square Garden and come back and played Paradise Park with you, you know, and then somewhere else and go play with Morgan Fairchild, you know, the next yeah. week on Broadway. And it's... Uh, Morgan Fairchild? Yeah. Alexander, whatever. Isn't Morgan Fairchild an actress from the 70s? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> way, to, way to grab that reference. I always call him Morgan Fairchild. Do you really? (laughs) Morgan Fairchild Alexander. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, man, it's, it's, you know, you don't want to get in that mindset of like, I'm only doing these gigs because I've made it to this level. Now, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. That's Um, definitely not the way to look at it. I totally agree with you there. What are you, are you signaling? Yeah. Would, uh, he's saying he's, he's virtue signaling. He's prayer dogging, so we're going to cut it <laughs> off. Um, well, uh, you've made it to the top of the hot ones. Uh, so nothing left to do but roll out the red carpet for you, Billy Freeman. Tell this camera and only that camera because that's the only one we have what you've got going on in your life. Um, well, I'm doing this thing called Beer and Gear uh, tonight. <laughs> I've heard of that. Someone told me that the host is extremely handsome. Yeah, it's uh and opinionated. Yeah, it's true. Uh, no, I've apparently heard, uh, that's not one of her. Big fan of Megadeth. From what I, I, hear. I did hear that. I did <laughs> yeah, I've got like four different Megadeth shirts in my Amazon cart, and I don't know which one to pick. Oh, you know what? Double Wonderful. If anybody hasn't heard of Double Wonderful yet, go to Instagram. Is that like double rainbow? Oh my god! Uh, pretty much, rainbow. except with Steely Dan. Oh, <laughs> they sell it's it's just this guy that makes Steely Dan shirts, and they're all like limited run stuff, so you kind of have to get in when he posts certain things. And but I'm gonna put a link. They're all. I'm fantastic. also gonna buy something tonight. Yeah, it's. I've never heard of that before. Is oh, that yeah. where? Do you know Jenny Mac? Do you guys know Jenny Mac? I don't no. know. Uh-uh. She she's like a piano player, accordion player, singer from Dallas. Uh, she's always got these 
super quirky Steely Dan like shirts on. That, oh, that's, that's got to be where it's from. Yeah, because I'm always wondering like. Is she just making these shirts? She's there's amazing. This, like, <laughs> there's one that's like a Fagan, a, a, like a picture of Fagan with like a clock by his head. And then there's like pictures of people running and then like an arrow to a dragon. And then to water. To the dragon? Water to cherry wine. <laughs> and then like, they're like. <laughs> Is this so the, the same clock- as the shirt that you showed us earlier? Uh, which one was that? The, the um, guy at the steering wheel. Oh, oh yeah, the Sopranos. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a oh yeah, you know, oh the yeah, Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. Steely yeah, Dan. Yeah. That's that side. Yeah. Okay, that's one. that's dope. I I especially need the time out of mine shirt. That might if I had to pick a favorite Dan song, it's probably off that record, and it's either that one or My Rival. I really love My. That's Rival. That's a really good record. I love the. I don't I don't know what kind of a reed organ or whatever. Yeah. I love that, dude. Uh, yeah. and then the solo boom boom boom. Yeah. We should uh do a Maya version of that song. That's true. With you. Billy, uh I'll leave you with this. London one time Billy said Man, someday we need to do a version of Miller Mounts the Standards. Anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for watching Gear and Beer. Today's ghost. Wow. Today's guests have been great. I am folding. I've <laughs> been great. I've been great. Today's guest is the godsend of Garland, Texas, Mr. Billy Freeman. Uh, my friend, excellent drummer and musician and engineer and all of the things. Uh, call us to make music for you for a lot of money. And we will see you next time on Gear and beer. Do we fire? That's wrong. Fire. Wrong camera. The camera's up here. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bye. All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Gear and Beer podcast. Make sure and subscribe and turn on notifications for our channels. And if you haven't already, follow our Instagram and YouTube channels. We truly appreciate your support and ask that you please tell anyone you know whom you think might be interested in our podcast about gear and beer to help us grow and continue bringing in great guests from around the industry and beyond. Thanks again, and until the next episode...